0: Amen. I feel like if you call that first number that Matt gave, you'll get the movie theater in London. <laughs> but I, I may be wrong. <laughs> Regency Cinema Seven, Showtime information. I don't know if y'all if they still do that or not. <laughs> Is that not it? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, listen, we're we're grateful for our our uh, the people who serve in in our youth ministry, and we got so many wonderful people that do that and minister to our youth, and we're grateful for. How God's moving among our kids Because I, I, do you all realize that we, we need our children and our, and our young people and our teenagers to know Jesus In this generation uh, it's, it's, it's maybe now more important than it's ever been It's used to be commonplace for kids to grow up in church And say they know the Lord But it's, it's becoming less and less common And so we need kind of like a new breed of teenager You know what I'm saying? Some of those ones that are on fire uh, for Jesus and, and, and ready for an experience and encounter with Him So we're grateful for people who are ministering in that area uh, I want to go ahead and get into the message this morning I believe that the Lord has, has given me a, a word if he'll help me get through this uh, Before we begin though, I want to I pray for one person in particular And then if there's anybody else that needs prayer, I want to pray for them as well Is, is Ethel still here? So, so Ethel, I want to pray for Ethel If you guys, some of you can maybe even stand up Or you can come up if you want to, Ethel if anybody, Ethel's been diagnosed uh, with cancer here recently And we just want to pray for her, and if if a couple of y'all want to gather around her, and some of you just stretch your hand toward her. And listen, if if there's anybody else that would like prayer right now, we've got time. Uh, You can come forward and pray, but we want to pray for Ethel specifically. So if you would, would y'all just stretch your hand toward her? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your blessing, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that on the cross... You died for our sins and in your own body on that tree, Lord God. You took our pains, you took our sicknesses, our illnesses, and our diseases. And so, God, we speak a word of healing into her body right now from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. We command healing that this cancer would be plucked up by its roots, God, and removed from her body, and you would bring healing and wholeness to her in Jesus' mighty name. We speak peace over her right now, God, and we pray your spirit minister to her and to her life and to her family. We believe you, God, for miracles because you're a miracle-working God. And so we trust you for it. We ask you for it this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Bless you, Ethel. Bless you. You're welcome. Amen. If anybody else needs prayer, listen to it. We believe in prayer. I know a lot of times, sometimes you guys come to church and you think, man, I just don't know if I want to come to the front for prayer. But that's, that's something that we actually believe in. We believe prayer changes things. And when you have a church that, that doesn't, when, when, you get, when you start to build a culture of unbelief where people don't respond or ask for prayer, you don't have people praying, the church is on the decline in that moment. Uh, so, so we always want to be people of prayer and people that pray and believe. They pray a prayer of faith uh, no matter what. So let me get into this word. Uh, Matt just reminded me there was one more thing I need to announce. We're going to take our time this morning, amen? Uh, But uh, Wednesday night there's going to be no uh, midweek service because the youth are going to have an event. So no midweek service this week. The youth will be having an event. Just wanted to update you on that. So Exodus chapter 12, verse 29 through 30. I'm going to preach a message entitled Crying for Light at Midnight. Man, that's a good title. Exodus 12:29 through 30. And it says, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead." Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask you this morning, Lord Jesus Christ, to have mercy on all of us, Lord. We've sinned against you in, in the things that we've done and in the things that we failed to do, but Lord God, you are a merciful God. And so I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would come to convict hearts this morning. You would come to encourage, Lord God, those who are beat down and discouraged. And you would use your word to speak to our lives in this moment, God, so that we can be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ through it. And we pray this morning that, Lord Jesus, you would give us light and you would give us truth and that we would see you clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, you know, it's always good news to see what we're doing this morning. We're baptizing four young teenage people. because I don't know if you realize it or not but our generation is growing up in some dark times would you agree with that? Our generation is growing up in some dark times. I talk to young people, and, and what you see our culture broadly is that there is more and more just blatant, almost what you would just go ahead and call demonic types of things that are coming to the surface, and we're becoming more and more desensitized to it, and the things that we watch, and the things that our kids listen to, and it's just becoming more prevalent. It's just like a mass wave that is sweeping over our children, and this generation, and the last generation, it's the first time we've ever been exposed to internet, and it's the first time we've ever been able to see anything we want to see on our phones at all times and we're just constantly being pumped into with all of this this worldly type of stuff that is honestly bringing us into a place where it's moving us away from God and bringing defilement into our lives but here's the thing satan wants our children he wants this generation and if he's not afraid to bring pornography if he's not afraid to bring witchcraft if he's not afraid to bring more and more perversion on all of our children should we not be afraid to teach them them the things of God and get them in the middle of the things of the Spirit and I'm not not talking about religion I'm not talking about church attendance I'm talking about a living vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in which they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they declare I know God and they cannot hold it back we need a generation of young people that don't just say, man, I went, I went to church with my parents when I grew up. No, we need a generation who says, I had an encounter with the living God. The Spirit of God touched me, He transformed my life, and He set me free from the bondage of this world. And there was a distinct difference when I had an encounter with this God because light shined into my heart and it broke darkness off of me. This is what we need in this generation. And it says at midnight, see, in Egypt, which is a picture of the world, there was a great cry in the land. And that's the first thing I want to talk to you is about the cry of the land. Because if you look in our world today, I talk to people on a regular basis. And I'm going to tell you something. Whether people know Jesus, some people even they're looking for help, but then they tell me, but I don't know about that. I don't know about that Christianity stuff. And I'm telling you, I say, listen, the thing I want to tell you is. I don't have anything else to offer you. I cannot give you help outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I feed you a meal right now, that may help you for a day. But outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no help for you in this world. There is a darkness that is covering the land, and only Jesus is the light that people need. And see, people are not too young to experience the Holy Spirit. There was a great cry at midnight because it says there was not one in a house that was not dead. And I think if you look at people's lives and in our homes, if you look at all of us, in everybody's home, there's at least one right that is spiritually dead. There's at least one that's cut off from God that needs the Lord more than we could ever imagine. And oftentimes we get dull to the fact that there are people around us who desperately need Jesus. In that land, what you saw was the ninth and the tenth plagues. God was bringing judgment on Egypt. Why? Because He was wanting to set His people free. And sometimes people get a misconception about the judgment of God because when God brings judgment on a nation, ultimately He's he's distinguishing light from darkness. He's showing you good from evil. He's bringing a separation. So when judgment comes on a people, it's because He wants to bring them out of bondage. God's judgment is a good thing. Because if he does not bring judgment, he allows you to stay in what you are staying in. Or worst case scenario, he hands you over to that thing that you desire to stay in. And so he wants to bring them out. And it says in Exodus uh, chapter 10 and 12, it talks about a darkness that came all over the land. And it was a darkness that could be felt. I want you to think about that. A darkness that could be felt because in our world, in our culture, in our time, we are living in a darkness that honestly, you can feel it. And it's closing in around us. And every time you turn on the news, or every time you have a conversation with, with, with somebody near you, or somebody else that you don't know, I, I mean, you can my buddy was talking to me the other day about how you go to the golf course and you just play with some guys. And if you if you get them to talk at all, they're gonna open up about the bad stuff that they're going through. Everybody's going through some darkness. It's a darkness that can be felt in our land. But here's, here's what happens: is that when judgment was falling upon. Egypt, God's people experienced the power of the blood of Jesus when judgment was falling on the world God's people experienced the power of the blood of Jesus because if you remember they applied the blood of a lamb which is a picture of Jesus' sacrifice for you on the cross to the doorposts on the top of the frame and on the sides which in the end made a cross over their doorposts as if to say we're marked by the blood of the lamb and the destroyer and death cannot touch our home and when death passed over it did not touch their home and they experienced the salvation of the Lord and they went to the Red Sea which is a picture of your baptism and the waters were split and they went through on dry ground and their enemies chased them down but just like the song says we ain't ever going back to that and the waters of baptism washes our past away washes our sins away washes our enemies in in the water behind us and we come out a new creation moving into the promises of God and this is a picture for us that we have the blood of the Lamb applied to our homes and there's protection from death there's protection from the destruction of this world and I love what it says Because when there was darkness that was felt throughout the world and throughout the land of Egypt, do you know what it says? It says, but God's people had light in their dwellings. And I'm going to tell you something. God has a people where He says, even though the the world is getting darker and darker and darker, my people are going to have light in their dwellings. And I believe that God is raising up a Joshua generation. Because for 400 years, the people of Israel, they were in bondage to Egypt. And they didn't know God. They forgot what worship of God was like. They had forgotten the Word of God. They didn't have a priest. They didn't have a pastor. They didn't have a prophet. They had nobody preaching the Word of God for 400 years until Moses showed up in the first word that he preached was to pharaoh which represents satan himself and he said here's what god says let my people go And then all of a sudden something started to change and God began to pour out His power. And Joshua grew up in a generation where he saw the miracle working power of God. Day after day after day. He saw God rain manna down from heaven. He saw God bring water out of a rock. He saw the water split at the Red Sea. He saw the water split at Jericho. And see, he he was so enamored with God and who He was and His power and His majesty that when Moses would go to meet with God face to face in the town tabernacle he would come out you know what josh would do he would linger behind in the presence of god and we need a young generation who honestly is so hungry for the presence. they don't see church as something that my parents do but is boring but they actually get in tune and in touch with the presence and power of god and they want to linger in the presence of god because they start to realize this is where life is at I don't know about you, but when I, was, when I was 20 years old and God hit me with His power, I was, I was a drug addict, I was an alcohol addict, I was a porn addict. But when I got a taste of the real presence of God, I was almost mad about it. I was like, how come I went to church so many times and nobody told me about this? Nobody told me there was a real presence. We were Everybody was dry as cracker juice, acting like they didn't want to be there, with a frown on their face, nobody praising the Lord, nobody giving God the glory due His name, no manifest presence. presence. Presence in the house of the Lord. When I experienced His presence, I said, why would you want any of this other stuff? And I know some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you this morning, that presence is available for you because Jesus paid for it for you to have access to the living Word of God, to a powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about dead religion. We're talking about a generation hungering for the presence of God. One thing that must die is the religious bondage of our denominations. Well, I'm too this or I'm too that. You know what? I'm too fascinated with the Lord Jesus Christ to get fixated on what I used to be. I'm too fascinated with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to get fixated on what denomination I was raised in. I'm too fascinated with the glory of God and and His Word and His Scripture to twist it to meet my old standards of belief. I want what God has. That's a Joshua generation that says, Lord, you telling us to go into the promised land? We're willing to fight any battle that we have to fight in order to get the promises of God. We're not interested in setting in the wilderness. We're not interested in staying in a dry place. We want a place that is flowing with milk and honey where your presence shows up every day. See, I, I, sense, I sense the Lord really trying to stir something in our hearts. And somebody said, well, God, this guy right here is crazy. This is the first time I've been in this church. This guy's wilder than a This is the Spirit of the Lord that's trying to speak to our hearts and say, listen, it's time to wake up. It's time to recognize that you're living in darkness and God wants to shine His light into your heart and into your family and it's available to you. And if you can't see what God is doing in this hour, you need to look at what the devil is doing and reverse it. Because he don't do nothing but roll counterfeit dollar bills all day long. The Lord's over here printing, printing the good stuff, and he's making counterfeits. And when, see, when, I, when I see a new disease roll out, you know what I think to myself? Well, you know what? That's just a new measure of healing in the kingdom of God. But see, we function in such unbelief because we believe the devil is more powerful than God is sometimes. But God, at every turn throughout Scripture, when darkness comes upon the earth, He has a counter to that darkness that is greater than that darkness. And so in Isaiah 60, verse 2, it says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. Think about that. Light is never as bright as when it's shining in the darkness. And over and over, I, I read this week different places. It talks about midnight, the midnight hour, midnight. Midnight is the point of greatest darkness. And, it, and there's so many things that happen at midnight. Paul and Silas were in prison at midnight. They begin to sing praises unto God at midnight. All over and over, you see you see this cry that went throughout the land when at midnight. It's a picture of the world around us that in, in its darkest hour, whether they know it or not, there's a groan in their hearts. There's a cry in their hearts. They're longing for something. They think a politician or if they elect the right guy is going to fix it. Can I tell you, politics nor nothing else nor no other philosophy nothing will change the hearts of men and women except the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and so we have to get that in our hearts to know that God has a plan in this midnight hour and the only real freedom people think man we we need freedom in our country we need people to be able to be allowed to do whatever they want to do and and say whatever they want to say and yes yes we do need freedom but but do you realize that the only freedom that actually comes is through the Lord Jesus Christ he who the son sets free is free indeed God has a plan though to save our families from the darkness in the world God is interested in our families. You see that over and over again throughout Scripture. In the beginning, God saw that covering the earth was a a void and a chaos and a darkness that was hovering there. And in the midst of that darkness, He said, let there be light and there was light. The Scripture says that that same chaos, that same darkness has filled our hearts. And the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when He speaks, it shines a light into the chaos and darkness of our hearts and all of a sudden we're open to this reality, this truth that is in Jesus. And in Exodus, there was that darkness that could be felt. In verse 23 of chapter 10, it said, They did not see one another. That's what happens with us. We don't even see one another anymore. We have no idea what one another is going through, what they're dealing with. And it said, Nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. See, at each time in Israel's history, when it seemed like it was at its darkest point, when they didn't have a prophetic revelation anywhere, what did God do? He raised up Samuel. When they had turned and were in bondage to Midianites and other nations around them, what did He do? He raised up Gideon. He raised up Deborah. He raised up a prophet... Time after time after time to speak light in the middle of darkness to reach God's people. And for 400 years at the end of the old covenant, there was no voice, no prophet, nobody had heard from God. And when it seemed like things could not get any darker, guess who showed up? Jesus Christ, a little baby in a cradle, it got darker and darker and darker until finally the fullness of the light switched on and Jesus came. And there will never be a time, I'm going to tell you something, in this world right now, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how crazy the world's getting, God's light is greater. And we need to cry out for the light of God in this midnight hour and see, secondly, is the cry of the Holy Spirit. I believe that people, God's people are going to have light in their dwelling places. No matter how perverse this world may get God's people are going to have the light of purity and no matter how many marriages are broken and how many things go south God has healing and redemption for His people. No matter how much sickness and disease covers the earth God still manifests healing power today for those who will believe and pray and seek the face of the Lord and for, no matter how many kids rebel in this hour and go a different direction we believe that our children will be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of our children, and that they shall actually, according to Scripture, be filled with the Spirit and prophesy God's word to a dark generation. This is what's going to happen to the people of God in this hour. But you have the cry of the land, and secondly, you have the cry of the Holy Spirit. And I've read this scripture several times uh, recently, so I'll, I'll move through it quickly. But Matthew 25, verse 1 through 6, it says, The kingdom of heaven in the last days, he says, will be be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Maybe they took a Benadryl, I don't know. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. See, at midnight, at the darkest hour, there's a cry of the Holy Spirit who is saying to the people of God, the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. And you need to get ready to come out to meet him. But see, there were five wise and there were five foolish. The five wise had enough oil in their lamps to provide the flame to be able to see in the darkness. The problem that's going on now is that the, tr- the church is not, does not have the intimacy with God that they need in order to discern light from darkness in this hour. I don't know if you realize it or not, but churches are capitulating and conforming to the world system more and more and more. More and more they're adopting the values and adopting things that are absolutely contradictory to God's Word and God's Scripture. And the reason being is because they have no oil in their lamps. They have an outward form. They have the mechanism. They go to church, but they don't, they're don't. they not filled with the Word of God. They're not filled with the Spirit. They they hunger and thirst for the things of this world and the things of the flesh, and they want to find some way to justify their sin. What I'm telling you is, is if you came in here in, with sin in your life this morning, good news, all of us did, but we have a God that not only forgives us and cleanses us in His blood, but gives us the oil of the Holy Spirit within to overcome the power of sin and to live a hope. Holy and a pure life that shines as a light in the darkness of this dark generation and world. Amen. And so, see, we don't want just the mechanism. We need oil. We need oil. We don't just need good songs and good preaching. Sometimes I feel like the Lord said, Clay, if you'd only prepare your heart as much as you prepare your sermons. Amen. That don't convict you as much as it does me, but I'm going to be convicted by myself this morning. It's one thing for a preacher to prepare good sermons and speak good words, but does he have oil in his lamp? Does the presence of God manifest? Is there conviction in the house of God? Is anybody's hearts burning and moved toward a response to the Lord where they say, God, I need you to do something in my life. I'm thirsty. I'm dry. I'm not hearing your voice. I've, I've got sin in my life that I'm hiding and compromising. I, I need something to purge me, something to clean. I need something that separates me from the power of this world so that I can do your will in this generation. We need oil in our lamps like never before. And the cry of the Holy Spirit is saying, come out. Come out to meet him because there's darkness that's fighting for the souls of men and women. And in order to have oil in your lamp, guess what? You've got to buy it. He said, go and buy some for yourself. We can't give you. I can't give you my personal relationship with Jesus. Out of the overflow of my personal relationship with Jesus, I can show up on Sunday and pour out what he gives me. I can do that. But I cannot go home with you on Monday night and put you in the prayer closet and have you seek the Lord. You're going to have to get that oil on your own. But see, some people, they cry out for We want to experience you, God. We want to experience you. But see, they got no oil in their lamp, and God won't send fire where there's nothing flammable to keep it lit. Yeah. Amen. We need something flammable in our souls. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit that comes from intimacy with Jesus. The world is constantly after your attention and He wants you to be a foolish virgin in this generation. A churchgoer, but having no oil in your lamp so that you cannot see the darkness around you. Matter of fact, you play with the darkness around you. That is what the enemy wants. Throughout Scripture, you see darkness listed in different ways. in Ephesians 4 Verse 17 through 19, it says this. He says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And Gentiles, uh, literate would, a better translation for us, for our understanding, would just be people without God. And he says, In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding. Notice that. They can't understand these things that we speak about spiritually because they are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've hardened their hearts against God when He speaks to them. Having lost all sensitivity, they're desensitized and they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Can I tell you this? Everybody says, well, everybody's a child of God. Do you know that the Bible says that that's not the truth? Jesus loves everyone, but not everybody is a child of God. All people are created in the image of God, but there are also children of wrath and children of destruction, those who harden themselves against the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and say, no, I don't want that. I'd prefer to live my own life and live in my own sin. I don't want to repent. I believe that life without you is better, God. Mm. Amen. Yeah. And so they move into this place of darkness. And the darkened human condition, if you list, list it, is this. Dead in sin... Ignorant of the truth, this is throughout Scripture when it talks in reference to darkness. Blinded by Satan, alienated from God, disobedient to his will, hostile to his commands, unloving towards him, ungrateful for his mercy, enemies in their minds, children of wrath, slaves to sin, and lovers of themselves. Can I tell you this? People need to be saved. People need to be saved. I think sometimes in the church, even myself, we get focused on preaching the gospel. We get focused on uh, ministering to the people in our church. And we forget that there are people out there living in darkness, separated from the life of God. And you know what they need? The Lord Jesus Christ. They need His salvation. They need to know Him, and we need to be bold enough to speak it in an hour of darkness because we have wounds that we cannot heal. We have shame that we cannot remove. We have guilt that we cannot forgive, and we've got an enemy that we cannot defeat. And we need the Lord to move in our lives. Tim Keller says it like this. He says, when the Bible talks about sin, it's not just referring to the bad things we do. And just like Matt said this morning, people say, well, I can't come to church. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. If I quit doing this, I quit doing that. Maybe I'll come to church. And what he's saying is exactly right. You won't quit doing those things until you come to Jesus. Come to church as you are. Hear the Word of God as you are. Come and worship God as you are, and the Holy Spirit will get involved in your life, and He will start to produce faith and repentance and transformation in you. Let's walk this thing out together, because there's not a one of us that that are perfect and have it all together. We all need Jesus, and this is what he says. He says, it's not just lying or lust or whatever the case may be. It is ignoring God and the world He has made. It's rebelling against Him by living without reference to Him. It's saying, I will decide exactly how I live my life, God. And Jesus said, that's our main problem. That's ultimately what darkness is. When we choose to live without reference to God and say, I'm going to live how I want to live and I'm too busy to actually give you full control of my life and make you Lord. That's what darkness is. And that's why when the culture starts to pour this, these things in on our children, they're consumed by it. Why? Because there's no light in our dwellings. There's no oil in our lamp. How can they see when only darkness is coming? We are in a midnight hour. When the only thing that is pumped through our televisions and pumped through our phones and everything that we see around us and the attitudes of the people and world around us, we're in a midnight hour where we need light in our dwellings. We need light in our dwellings, and at least in our families and in our homes, we can have that light. But see, let me tell you this to encourage you, because when there is darkness, God's provision is always greater. At every point, once again, throughout Scripture, when their king Saul had fallen away, you know what God said? He said, "It's all right. I got a king for me." You know how young this man was when he anointed David king? He was a 16-year-old boy when Samuel poured the oil of uh, uh, oil over his head, and the Holy Spirit came upon him and he functioned in such light that King Saul was oppressed by a demon and David went into King Saul and just began to play under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that demon would flee from him in the presence of God and then all of a sudden Goliath stood up against a generation and said I defy the armies of the living God right here today and David said you know what I killed the bear and the lion when I was out alone with God and now I'll do it just the same way to this Goliath and God raised up a mighty man at 16 years old because what he had the Holy Holy Spirit on his life and David slayed that giant and God is saying if, if, if young people old people whoever it is in these last days I'm gonna pour out my spirit upon all flesh if you're hungry enough to drink if you're hungry enough to drink I'll give you light I'll give you power I'll give you oil I'll give you the Holy Spirit Daniel was in Babylon just a teenager In Babylon, they cut them off from God. They changed their names. No longer could they worship the one true God, but that didn't deter Daniel. And you know what? There was supernatural wisdom that God imparted to him, supernatural protection that God imparted to him. When they tried to kill him, they couldn't touch him. When people had dreams, he would interpret them. He had such knowledge and such wisdom that a young teenage boy ended up turning three kings and monarchs over the course of his life to the one true God where they finally bowed down and said, this guy's God is the true God. Point being, I don't care how dark it gets, God's light is more powerful. It's, not, it's a matter of what are you going to believe. Are you going to succumb to the darkness around you? Or are you going to worship God and say, I'm God's child. I'm anointed with the Holy Spirit. I'm chosen. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. And greater is He who is in me than he who is in this world. And I am more than a conqueror through Him that loved me. You have to grasp a hold of that mentality. Some people say, well, this guy's funny. He's a, he's a little bit too much over the top. You've got to live over the top if you want to walk in the light. You've got to live a little bit over the top. You gotta get a little bit wild. You gotta be at home praying out loud every now and then. Grab a hold of your youngins and pray over them and lay hands on them and tell them about Jesus and remind them of the power of the Holy Spirit and call down fire from heaven on your children. We don't just want them to go to church and VBS. We want them to experience an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it begins in our homes, but God's protection is on his people. I wanna go into just another quick story here, but. You see, one of the times of greatest darkness, when Joshua was going into the land, if you remember, they're coming into the promised land, and the Canaanites, which represent God's enemies, are, are in their land, and they're kind of blocking them from coming in. And Numbers 14.9, it says that Joshua stood up and Caleb, they sent 12 people in to spy out this beautiful land, the promises of God. And they came back, 10 of them said, man, we can't go in there. We're grasshoppers in their sight. They will eat us up. There's giants in that land. Because see, when we see the darkness of our generation, that's what we think. This stuff's going to swallow us up. We ain't gonna make it. We're gonna be overwhelmed. There's no way they're gonna sw- they're gonna destroy our children. They're gonna take our families. How can we? Even- there are people who even say I can't. I can't imagine raising a child in this generation. Well, guess what? Imagine raising them with the power of the Holy Spirit consuming their life and then becoming like a firebrand in the hand of God. You've got to allow faith to arise in your heart so that you believe that God is more powerful than the darkness that's coming on the world. And see, He stands up in the middle of them. He says, "Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear." the people of the land for they are our bread their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us do not he said don't fear them if you see a challenge and you see darkness what it's actually going to do is going to be nourishment for your soul to overcome it he says you got to get such faith in your heart that when you see challenges you see it as a setup for God to transform your life for you to overcome and grow in the process He says, look at darkness is a good thing. The greater the darkness, the more light God puts upon me. The greater the darkness, the greater the glory of God that rests upon my life. This is the mindset that he wants to give us. Problems are food for champions. You've got Joshua and Caleb. They stood up. They said, boys, we've seen the miracles of God. I believe he'll he'll take them out the same way he took the rest of these out. Uh, You guys need to quit rebelling against the Lord. You need to believe the Lord. And do you know, get this, older folks in the house, Caleb, he's 85 years old. And you know what he said whenever they were coming to the promised land? There was a mountain that was filled with giants and everybody was afraid to take the mountain. Caleb's 85 years old. He comes over on his cane probably. He said, you know what? Give me that mountain right there. He said, I'm as strong today at 85 as I was at 40 because the Lord's kept me to this point and He'll keep me now. Me and my family, we're taking that mountain. He had a different spirit, the Scripture said. He had a different mindset. When he saw greater darkness and greater mountains, he said, give me that mountain. And I pray, Lord, give us that kind of a mindset. Forty years after Joshua and Caleb were first sent in as spies into Canaan, Joshua's leading Israel into the promised land, and he's standing in front of the biggest city at that time was Jericho, and he sends in two spies, and they're spying out the land, and they find refuge in a prostitute's house. It's like, you know, we send some guys out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably encourage you not to go to a prostitute's house. But that's where they end up. It's the only place they can find protection, right? But it speaks of the grace of God because we've got a beautiful story right here that's about to unfold. And they send them in there. Now, Jericho, I think I've got a picture of Jericho just so you can kind of see it. It was the first walled city in ancient history. And they had double-layered walls. And in this, in this particular context, this is a picture of the soul that is cut off from God in darkness. Because Satan wants to set up strongholds in your life through darkness. He wants double walls set up with your trauma, your pain, your past, your sin, your affliction, whatever it may be, so that when God tries to penetrate, he can't get in. That's what he wants to do. This is a picture. And in that time, Jericho was the most wicked city in all of the land. They practiced bestiality. They practiced perversion. They had parades To celebrate their perversion whenever they practiced their idol worship, Uh, they had public burning of their children to Molech as a part of the worship of Molech. And the strongest part of this wicked city in Jericho was its walls. This is why they thought they could not be destroyed. They could not be taken down. And guess what? You know who lived right on that outside wall in one of those places? The prostitute, Rahab. She lived in the strongest part of the darkest city in all of the land. And here's what she says when they come into this place. Joshua 2, 9-11, it says, Rahab said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sion, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted." Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. All of the inhabitants were terrified of Israel. And for 40 years, Israel was terrified of them. Yeah. What's my point? My point is, is you are terrified of things in this culture that are terrified of you if you ever find out who you are in Jesus Christ. The enemy is scared to death that you'll find out who you are with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He's scared to death that even in fear and trembling, you might share the power of the gospel with your your, your co-worker that breaks the chains off of their life. We have a superior power in the gospel and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Healing is scare, uh, sickness and disease and death and demonic. It's all scared to death of who you could be in Christ Jesus. Don't be afraid of an enemy that is afraid of you because just like she said, our hearts melted. The demonic's hearts begin to melt when they start to see you coming into who you are and that's why you are tempted with so many lies about the reality of who you are. And Rahab's recounting the miracles that God did for Israel and grace won her heart. She believed this is the true God. This is the one. And see, what you find out here is that protection is a covenant blessing. I want you to understand something about you and your family. You may have family members that aren't saved and you are saved. Do you realize that God cut a covenant with us, but He didn't cut it directly with us? He cut it with His Son, Jesus Christ, and now you are in Christ. So this covenant is not fickle because it's not dependent upon how well you're currently doing. It's dependent upon how well Jesus Christ did. And if I remember correctly, He lived a sinless life as the Holy One and shed His blood on the cross for me. And He took my sins so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And what He says is because of that, I now treat you like I treat Christ because you are in Him. He was the predestined One. He was the chosen One. He was the anointed One. He was the Holy One. And now in Him, you are all those things. And so when you pray, and when you call upon my name, and when you apply the blood of Jesus to your life, there's divine protection over you and over your family. And I even believe that He wants to save your household. Why? Because of the covenant that He has with you. When Rahab saw the protection of God over His people, she became a believer. Just like we read right there in Joshua 2.11. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there, did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on, on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I've shown you kindness. And she uses the word has said, it's literally covenant grace. That you also will show kindness or covenant grace to my Father's house. And give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. She became a believer. She confessed He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And He says, since, you have shown, since I have shown you covenant grace, will you show me that same covenant grace? And where sin is at its greatest, that's where grace abounds. You realize that? She lived in the wall of the most wicked city during that time that they had to conquer. And when she says, your God is the God of all, I'm willing for every wall in this place to come down. See, here's what happens. When we are locked into our sin, things that we're not willing to give up, listen, she, there's probably some things that she wanted to hold on to. Maybe some sins that she wanted to keep. She had only known that life up to that point. That's how she provided for her children. That's how she took care of herself. It was her identity. She was probably even known in the town. She had a place to live. She was protected by that wall. But she said, you know what? I know you're the true God, so I'm willing for every one of my walls to come crashing to the ground and I trust that God will lead me in because I see and believe that he is the one true God of heaven and of earth. You come to a place where you say, Lord, I'm ready for every wall to come crashing down. I don't want to hold on to any of it anymore. I want you to break everything down, tear out every stronghold. I want you to come into my life in fullness. Where sin is at its strongest, grace abounds all the more. There's no place you can go far from God. We're talking about a prostitute here, folks. There's no depth of darkness you can go into that God's grace will not reach. He will transform your life. He will reach into the depths. And we as the church have to have a heart for people to understand that with God's grace, we reach in mercy into the darkest spots to help bring people out. She said, give me a true token. And I like this. Just If you do Hebrew word studies, this is, this is legitimate. There are word pictures for every, every letter in the Hebrew language. And she uses this, this true token. She said, give me a true token. And the word token, Hebrew reads from right to left. And the word token is three letters. It's Aleph, Vav, Tav. And if you look at those three letters, it's a picture of a sacrifice, a nail, and a cross. She says, "Give me a true token." And he says, "The word token is literally a sacrifice nailed to the cross." I, y'all, y'all don't like that as much as I did. <coughs> But she's saying, I need a true token. And you know what the scripture's saying? The token that you and your family will be saved is that there's going to be a sacrifice that is nailed to the cross. And you know what's so beautiful about this story? Is that Rahab ends up becoming the great-great-grandmother of David. And through David comes Christ. And she says, you are going to have a true token that not only is your family going to be protected, but the families of the earth who believe in that sacrifice that was nailed to the cross will be protected and experience the salvation that only God can bring. Amen. So the question is, has your family come to the foot of the cross? Has your family come to the foot of the cross? And have you said, you know what, I'm not just going to say I'm a Christian. I want me and my family to live for Jesus. I want me and my family to come to the foot of the cross and put the blood of the Lamb. Because God has a heart for your family. God told Noah, whenever judgment was coming upon the world, He says, come into the ark, you and all your household. The ark is Jesus Christ. He is the place of safety for your family when judgment comes upon the earth. He is the the ark of safety. In Acts 16.31, they sung praises to God at Midnight. And the chains broke open and the gates broke open and the prisoners were set free and the jailer was going to kill himself and fall on his own sword because he, he, he was delinquent in his duties and Paul says no 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 don't kill yourself let me tell you something let me tell you about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and he says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household I believe if the people of God in this midnight hour will give God the praise and glory that he deserves we're going to see chains broken off prison doors open and we'll be able to declare if you believe in the lord jesus christ now you and your household will be saved you and your household the blood of jesus it brings protection y'all good with me so far just give me another two or three hours i'll be done i'm kidding so just hang on it'll be very short exodus 12 3 through 4 it says every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father a lamb for a household and if the household is too small for the lamb Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make make your count for the lamb. He says, you need to take a lamb for a household. God wants to cover your whole family with the sacrifice. And he says, if the household is too small for the lamb, then you can bring another house into it. Get this, the lamb is never too small for you. Sometimes our house may be too small for it, but God's sacrifice is big enough for all of us. It covers me. It covers my children. It covers my family. And God. And I, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that your children are going to be saved just because you're saved. In the sense of they don't have to repent and come to Jesus themselves. What I'm saying is, is that if you come up under this covenant and pray for your children and bless your children and train your children in the ways of the Lord, they will be saved because you have the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will believe. They will repent. They will turn to the Lord. And He says, He goes on. He says, Now men. You need to take a bunch of hyssop, verse 22. Dip it in the blood that is in the basin. Strike it to the lintel on the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Now, spiritually speaking, is the blood of the lamb applied one to your heart? And is the blood of the Lamb applied to your home? See, because we got... Now, I'm going I'm to dig a little bit here pastorally. We got a generation, I think, in every generation of people who have, like I said, the external mechanisms. You come to church, you put on a good face, you say, hello, Brother. And then you go home at the end of the day, and there's not a word of prayer in the house. There ain't a drop of worship in the house. Nobody hits their knees. There's cussing. There's anger. There's filth on the TV. And the blood of the lamb is not applied to the home. Is it all right if I preach this morning? Let's just be real, because I'm trying to help you. It's not going to be enough in the darkness of our culture to have the checklist of church attendance. You need the blood of the Lamb applied to your home and your life, and you need it to purge your home. You need it to purge your home. You've got to care about your children enough to say, it's not just Jesus on Sunday at church, it's Jesus on Monday in the house. We're going to pray together. We're going to seek the Lord together. We're going to believe His presence to manifest in our home. Because if you come in here, look, if you've got the manifestation of the demonic in your home through the things you watch on TV on Wednesday, don't be surprised if you can't feel God's presence in here on Sunday. On. Amen. This is just good. This is good pastoral preaching. The blood of Jesus cries out for forgiveness, for redemption, for healing, for blessing, and for protection. And there's protection in the blood of Jesus. See, this is such a powerful picture of actually, listen to me, fathers, of the responsibility of fathers in the household. The only people that could could secure the safety of their families were the fathers that would take the basin, dip it in there, and by the hyssop apply the blood to the doorpost. If the fathers were delinquent, the families would be destroyed. If the fa I say it again if the fathers were delinquent the family would be destroyed If the fathers weren't willing to apply the blood The destroyer would pass over their home and touch them. They need to see that blood. Now, hyssop is our testimony. Ain't y'all ever read in the book of Revelation? It says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony because they did not love their lives unto the death. One guy translated it like this one time. He says, I overcome Satan when I testify personally about what the blood of Jesus does for me. When I testify, the blood of Jesus, if I go through Scripture, the blood of Jesus cleanses me. The blood of Jesus redeems me. The blood of Jesus sanctifies me and sets me apart from this world. It pulls me up out of the pit. It breathes me and delivers me from the hand of the enemy. The Scripture says the blood of Jesus gives me access into the presence of God. The blood of Jesus gives me life. The blood of Jesus transforms who I am and it forgives me and it purifies me before a holy God. You know, some people say, well, I'm not worthy. This is what I love. See, and I know we're balancing this out because I've said some convicting things, but this is a blessing, folks. The reason I can stand up here this morning with all my faults, with all my failures. I prayed last night, Lord God, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm broken and I'm in need of... The only reason the Holy Spirit lives inside this vessel is because of the blood of Jesus. I'm not holy enough. I'm not pure enough. I'm not clean enough. But let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus is like the most powerful Clorox bleach you ever got a hold of, son. It will scrub you and cleanse you so that when the Holy Spirit looks at you, He says, that's the cleanest vessel I've ever seen. That's what the blood of Jesus does for you. Amen. So confess it. When you sin, come back to Jesus. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me in that blood once again. And it says if we walk in the light, even as He is in the light, He forgives us of our unrighteousness, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If you fail, come back to the Father. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Amen. Amen. Rahab and Jericho would have suffered the fate of Jericho they applied that blood to the lamb now now she did something very similar but she would have suffered the fate of Jericho but she had faith in God and she asked for her family to be saved verse 13 she said spare my father my mother my brothers my sisters and all that they have and deliver us deliver our lives from death and the spies responded in verse 14 Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. They use the words grace and truth there. We will deal with you like the same way that Jesus does, with grace and with truth. And I hope this morning that's what you're hearing. You're hearing truth, but you're also hearing grace, right? And we got to have those two that work together because Jesus will tell you the truth so that you will turn from sin, but He will give you the grace to empower you to come out of it even when you fail. Amen. So God wants us to intercede on behalf of our families. And she did that. She interceded. She said, save my sisters, my brothers, my mom, my dad, my family. And it says in verse 17, the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have made us swear unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household into your own home. So they tell her, listen, bring everybody into the house. Your father, your brother, what, what he's saying is, reach out to everybody in your family. And if they, if they don't know Jesus, if they're against Jesus right now, plead the blood of Jesus over them every night. Pray for them, intercede for them. He says, put a scarlet cord that's out there. That, the word there in the Hebrews is tikvah, it means it means rope or it means hope. So it's literally the rope of hope. And they bind it in the window, and what they see is the scarlet cord. Scarlet is the sign of Jesus' blood. And they saw the blood applied to that window. And when they passed by, they brought all of them out, the entire household out of the destruction when the walls fell. And their family was saved because of that. God wants your children safe. The walls fell, and Joshua said, Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall be spared. God wants your children safe. Amen? Amen. Amen. Exodus 10, 9-11, they, Pharaoh kept trying to get them to compromise and Moses said, we will go out with our young and with our old. We're going to leave Egypt. We're going to leave the world system. We're going to leave this bondage to sin. And we're going with our sons and our daughters. Amen. Mm-hmm. We're going with our flocks and our herds. From We must worship the Lord. And then he said to them, the Lord had better be with you when I let you go, and your little ones go. That sounds just like the devil. He said, beware, for evil is ahead of you. Y'all ever heard the devil say that to you? He says that stuff. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord. Because here's what the devil likes. He's fine if you parents serve the Lord. He just don't want your children doing it. If you're going to serve God, all right. But I'm going to take your children. I ain't letting the children go worship me. And what I'm saying is, no, no, no. We say devil. We're taking our children with us. We're taking our flocks and our herds. I'm taking my Chevy. You know what I'm saying? The blood of the lamb is over my tennis shoes, son. You can't have a stitch of what the Lord God has given me, and you can't have my family. And even if my children veer to the left and veer to the right, I trust that under the covenant of the Lord, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. They're going to come back to the Lord under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our children are precious. And yeah, we we get busy trying to get them a good job or get them in school and all and all those things are great and trying to make sure they're they're you know popular. I don't know what you do with your kids when they get older. I'm just trying to keep mine alive right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over her. She pleads something back over me. I don't know what it is. But here's the thing, what's on the inside of your children is more important than what's on the outside. You've got to care for the real person. You need to care for their souls. You need to pray for their salvation. You need to care for what they watch and what they listen to. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over them. And you need to give them a taste of Jesus. And you need to make sure that they're in church. And, and, And participants in it. Sometimes we have worship nights and we, we, we try to br- bring as, some of the younger kids in. Now we don't let, bring the babies in, but we try to let some of the younger kids come in because we need them to get a taste of the presence of God. We want them to worship. We want them to see you worshiping. And they need a taste of the presence of God. But see, you can do that in your home. I'm going to finish with this last one, number three you got the cry of the land, you got the cry of the Holy Spirit, and then you got the cry of the church. I'm just going to read this scripture and finish. Because here's the thing. If we know that there's a cry throughout the land, and we know that the Holy Spirit is calling us to come out to meet the bridegroom, and we realize that we are the church, we are the ones that are going to have light in their dwellings during this time of darkness. Here's what it says in Luke 11. It says, He said to them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, that's the darkest hour, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, because I've got a friend of mine that's come to me on his journey, and I've got nothing to set before him and he will answer from within and say do not trouble me the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed I cannot rise to give you but I say to you though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs so I say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open see in this dark hour he says you got a friend and you go to him at midnight he said he ain't going to open up to you because you're just his buddy like dude i'm in bed which i would probably do the same thing if you come knocking to me at midnight i'd be like let's just act like we're asleep you know what I mean? but if they kept knocking and they just would not give up you'd probably get me to get up and come and open the door now he's just trying to give you a parable for the understanding that you don't have anything right now if we are the church of jesus christ and we have nothing to set in front of the world that's going to Appease, that's going to make them have an appetite for Jesus. I don't have the power of God. I don't have the boldness to share the gospel, with my friend. I don't have anything to set before the Lord. He says, "If you keep knocking, I'll give you bread. I'll give you the Spirit. I'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. I'll give good gifts to those who ask Him." The question is, are you asking? Are you knocking? Are you seeking? And are you continuing to knock and seek and ask? Yeah. God has resources available for everyone who will come to seek. And we need to come and seek the Lord at this time in this great hour of darkness. There's got to be a cry for light at midnight. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I don't know where you all stand this morning with the Lord or where your hearts are at. But I like to give everybody an opportunity to respond. And if you're in here this morning and you... You don't know the Lord Jesus and maybe you've even moved away from Him. Just as an act of faith, now's a a wonderful time to respond and I want to pray for you. I want the church to pray for you. And just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just respond by simply saying, I'm going to raise my hand. That's me. I need Jesus and I need salvation. I need to experience Him. I've got a hand coming up. Anybody else? This is me. I need the Lord in this midnight hour. I need the Lord in this midnight hour. I see some hands going up. I see another hand going up. So I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for the rest of us because some of us need salvation. Some of us need restoration. But man, all of us need to knock on that door and say, God, I need something to set before my friends. I need something to set before my family. And so, Lord, I pray for each person that's raised their hand this morning. You offer salvation, and Holy Spirit, I'm asking You to draw them, and I'm asking You, through faith in Jesus Christ, as we confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we ask for forgiveness, Lord Jesus, would You cleanse us in Your blood afresh? Lord Jesus, would You save the ones that are lost? Would You renew their minds? And God, give them a new heart and a new spirit. And Lord God, would You fill us all with Your Holy Spirit afresh? God, we've got nothing to set before our friends and our family, but we're knocking on the door saying, God, give us bread, give us the Spirit, and we plead the blood of Jesus over our families this morning would you do that lord we plead the blood of jesus over our families and over our children this morning and we declare your word over our children god that you will keep them that you will protect them that you will watch over them and lord jesus that you will save their souls and you'll fill them with your holy spirit and you'll use them for your glory in this generation of darkness god we give you the glory for it we trust you and believe you for it in jesus mighty name we pray amen amen I'm going to let you all stand to your feet this morning. We're going to worship just for a moment before we go into baptisms. If you need prayer, I'd invite you to come forward. Pray at your seat. But take a moment here to respond to the Lord and let the Lord minister to your heart. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. This altar's open if you'd like to pray alone. But just take a moment. If you're with your family, grab grab your family by the hand. Pray with your families. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. Let's just take a moment to respond.